0: we we'll we'll
1: hey, y'all, welcome back we Will Work the party. the Once again, we're just doing some highlights of season one, two, and three as we take a break. This week, we're playing back the interview with Andre Perry, and this was right before he published his work, Know Your Price. And so as we think about this great resignation and the transformation of the workplace, let's also think about those that are consistently being left out. So Andre Perry speaks to how do you really start to interpret between the lines uh, when we think about the unemployment gap and just like in general, the legacy of, of this inequality around wealth for a lot of people in this country, but especially the people of color. So, without further ado, on with the show. Oh, and uh, as always, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Those those numbers really mean a lot to us. And please feel free to reach out anytime. time. We, we'd love to respond and make sure that your ideas get used next season. <laughs>
2: It's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Andre Perry from the Brookings Institute. He's an expert in the field of education and economics for African-American communities. He's got more degrees than Brent and I put together, so he's one smart man. He's also just published a book, Know Your Price, Valuing Black Lives and Property in America's Black Cities. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Perry.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: Our first question really comes from, last year, all politicians stated that we had nearly reached the mountaintop of full employment, that right. the that we had gotten there, that every if you wanted a job, you got a job. They were essentially falling out of employers' pockets. But then you came out with an article that said Black workers are being left behind by full employment, which essentially stated that this is a radical distortion of the truth for African-American workers. So we really would love for you to speak to the clear misrepresentation of unemployment and how you came to that conclusion.
0: Well, it's, it's important to just recognize that the, in the history of unemployment, when we've, we've measured it since we've measured it in good times or when we're not in a recession, the, the black unemployment rate has stayed essentially double that of, of white people. Um, which suggests, suggests something, that it suggests that that our gro- Black people's growth is relative to white growth, uh, but never quite um, at the level of white growth. And, and, and that's true today, or at least right before this pandemic, that um, on, on record, yes, that the Black unemployment rate reached record lows, and, you know, and, and when you're, whenever you're going under 6% for um, Black Americans, um, you, it's, it's, it generally suggests people are getting jobs. However, when you look underneath the hood of unemployment, you, you see that um, particularly in cities and in rural communities and among Black people and other ethnic minorities that the wages that people earn um, are, are significantly lower. The kinds of jobs black people are getting significantly lower in status. And so you see that as whites are getting more managerial position, more higher paying positions with, with, with good benefits, Blacks are getting j- hired as grocery store clerks, Uber drivers and Lyft drivers, and, and they're working in, in administrative roles in, in these companies. So, you know, for so long, uh, Blacks' g- growth in, in employment is, it has been relative to, to, to white growth. Now, now in addition... The black unemployment rate in cities can be significantly large in in places like Baltimore and and St. Louis and Detroit. And so um, when we say full employment, we have to be careful because it's an aggregate term that masks the stark differences um, by race and by region. And, and, and if we just accept that as status quo, is that that's okay, then you're essentially saying that Black people should be the sacrificial lambs of the economy. That, you know, it's, so it's just okay um, if, if Black people are suffering under the economy, because okay, look, we're in a state of full employment. Well, not Black folk, not, not in, in the cities where there's a recession going on. And, and this has significant consequences because you're, you're talking about heightening interest rates at times under the threat of, of you don't want the, the economy to spiral um, out of control. So you, you raise interest rates. And so that ultimately hurts black folk who are trying to get more credit. Um, so the unemployment rate, full employment rate has never served black people well in, in a sense of really understanding the conditions that we work in and and it doesn't help that you have a president who will claim he's doing the best for uh, for black Americans that he's the best president ever um, for black Americans and it's like come on give me a break this you know, the, you know one president should never really take credit for. Um, employment rates, but they all do. But this president, man, he, he's, he's really doubling down on this notion that, look what I've done for you. I've given you jobs. And it's like, no, these are not quality jobs. You didn't give them to us. And, 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 and by the way, in many cities, folks are still not working. And right now you see, how much that uh, that full employment meant for for black Americans as the last jobs not brought report that came out showed that white unemployment dropped while black unemployment surged and so that shows you that you know folks are are probably not getting called back to work because they weren't in the kind of jobs that would require folks to call you back so I, you know, I'm very skeptical of the current ways we measure financial health or the health of the economy because they always mask what's happening in black America.
2: Yeah, and I think that's very poignant to say. When I was a job developer before working in a minority community in New York, one of the prerequisites was that we were trying to show that somebody was employed for like over three months at a stable position. And I remember talking to people and thinking, even if you get this job, who knows, it's a seasonal job, who knows if you could be there in three months. So like that does work towards unemployment, but that doesn't really help the overall scope of like what you're trying to accomplish. So I guess my question following that would be, how should we rework this system to make sure that we understand what is actually happening within those communities and get a more clear picture on a broader scope.
0: One, we definitely need new measures and metrics that um, really reveal what's happening in in cities, in particular with um, black communities. There are different measures that we can use to get at the fiscal health, and and for those who who want to to see some of those or uh, the reading, they can go to my my writings on on full employment, um, but. But more importantly, we've got to remove the drag of racism from the job market that people black. The, the evidence is clear when folks, employers see a, a name that's a black sounding name, they don't call them back as often. Black people earn uh, um, significantly less on the dollar than than white Americans, 35 cents less on average, than white Americans. The, the racial wealth gap is um, 10 to 1 um white to black, 171,000 to about 17,000. You know, these are indicators that should go along with any unemployment rate number and to, so that people can get a sense of fiscal health. But we've got to remove the drag of racism um, from our economy now, it, 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 as it relates to um, um, the the job economy, the the, the incidents um, in recent re- weeks, the the uprisings sp- spurred by the killing of George Floyd by former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, we see that that the, the, those same attitudes that led to the, the officer to snuff out the life of, of George Floyd are, are, are also held by employers, are also held by um, housing um, executives, um, bankers, lenders, appraisers. And so this isn't, there's nothing that says a, a black person doesn't belong in an economy like a cop l- literally taking them, a black person out in broad daylight. You know, and so we've got to, to, to check this, this racism in the economy. Now, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing in terms of corporate America, making statements, setting up funds, changing. I mean, shoot, the Aunt Jemima was booted from the brand. There's positive things going on. But let's be clear, companies can uh, serve black Americans better by making sure that there's no one who's working poor on their job roles. And we know that we have lots of um, folks who are still on some form of public subsidy, but but working a nine to five. That we know that as these corporations make large investments, there's actually a better way to make investments. And that's by paying higher taxes. You you know, that that many of these, initiatives to fund Black businesses, you wouldn't have to do that if home ownership rates, for instance, were higher. And a lot of my studies look at housing devaluation, where I show that homes in Black neighborhoods, after controlling for education, crime, walkability, and all those fancy Zillow metrics, that homes in Black neighborhoods are are 23% less than those in white neighborhoods. And um, 48,000 per home, accumulatively, that amounts to about $156 billion in lost equity. Now, that's the money. $156 billion is the money people use to start businesses, to send their kids to college. Um, It's used by municipalities to fund education infrastructure. And so the country would be better served, not from sort of charity or folks feeling bad, while that helps certainly it helps but we need policies that recognizes the value of black lives and and when they when that happens we'll see some of these trends starting to reverse so
2: it's interesting what you just said because i think it reflects Our last speaker who we had uh, last week was Dr. Bridget Williams, and she is a chief of staff for Orange County Public Schools in Florida. And she was Mm -hmm. saying, all we need is a chance. She She reiterated several times that just give people a chance and they'll show you what they can do. And she's in part of the school system there and has done a lot of diversity practices, and made sure that she's had different voices in the room to make sure that she's listening to different outcomes and different and advice from all across the board. Do you think there is a possibility of mandating that on the corporate or private sector?
0: You know, I, at least in terms of government jobs, I do believe that we need some type of race-based um, 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 an initiative, some form of race-based programming and initiatives to correct these issues. Um, We got to this place because there was anti-Black discrimination codified into law. To get out of it, you also must address race. And so I do believe that some form of affirmative action um, is required. Um, We will need some type of race-based solutions if we're going to truly close the wealth gap. Um, there are some ways we can get around it. Um, um, clearly, if we said um, f- um, we, we will have a home ownership or a home um, loan program for those who um, did not have generational wealth, that would help. But at the end, but and I think it, it's very important because not a, uh, there's lots of white people who who do not have wealth or did not come from wealth. Right. Um, so. But at the end of the day, you you still need to address um, race because race is the issue that got us here. And to not to ignore it is to bury your head in the sand to the root causes and to ignore the root causes. You're going to always do these workarounds that really never get at the issue. So I I think that there's some form of affirmative action is required, some form. Uh, deliberate investment in Black communities and Black people is needed. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I, I definitely think we have to be aggressive um, because it's you know there's this white supremacist myth that that states that the the the, the conditions of Black cities and neighborhoods are a direct result of the people of the actions of the people in them, um, when in fact it's the policies. Um, surrounding uh, those communities um, that are, are much more influential on the economic um, outcomes of that community. And so, you know, w- we should be investing in Black people. We should be investing in Black communities. We should be hiring um, Black people. And uh, when we do that, when, but all that means we have to value Black lives. And that's what the Black Lives Matter movement for me, is about it's about getting law to value black lives, and um, and 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 that's possible. Um, I, I'm encouraged by what's happening in the streets; it's producing change. And, and but we need to build on this momentum and and create policies that will restore the value that's been extracted by racism.
1: I really appreciate that sentiment. I think that's something that we. Dan and I have, have been talking within our own communities about how to participate and support and and really, you know, follow the leadership that's coming out of what's happening right now, both within our own cities and kind of on the national scale. And I mean, we're definitely going to um, link a lot of the articles that you've been writing the last few weeks uh, to to this podcast for our listeners that are curious to see more about your particular perspective. And I'm just curious if you were to give a recommendation. In how to engage? Like what what would you think is the most impactful right now?
0: Well, I, I think uh, depending on your race, but no, I mean, I, I think we should all be joining something now, um, joining an organization that's squarely focused on ending racial inequality. And and we all have our lane. Some people are going to go into economic issues, some, um, or um, job issues and and issues around the macro economy. Some will go into housing. Some will go into criminal justice organizations. I mean, we all have our, 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 our desires, our pensions, our, our proclivities, so I, I don't want just people to just join anything. But now is the, the time to join an organization, to be a part of something, um, to, to follow and, and if people do that, white, and white, black, brown, Asian, Native American, you know, if, if people join organizations, it will lead to the kind of political movement we need in order to change policy, because economics is also about policy. If we can change policy, then we can change the life trajectories of black Americans in this country.
2: I have an interesting question to ask you. I know that if somebody was listening to this and we are all about unemployment and how to like get a job, a lot of people would see employment as a zero-sum game, as either I get a job or I don't get a job, and I'm trying to beat others around me. So while they may say, well, it sucks that the African-American community unemployment is higher inevitably in the back of their mind, I feel some may say, well, it's good for me. It's my advantage. And I don't want to lose that advantage, especially for people who are just like trying to get by in most days. So I was wondering, I'm wondering how to bridge that gap in that kind of thinking, if there's a way to legislate it, or is there a way that us as individuals can kind of stop seeing this employment equation as a zero sum?
0: Well, I mean, there's, two ways to look at that one that clearly that if we grow the economy, there'll be more opportunities. Uh, And so you want people who are, um, growing and, and, um, being participating in the economy, because if there's anything we've learned over this COVID moment is that when our neighbors are sick, we are then vulnerable. And for so long, Black people have been economically sickened by policy and and white people are vulnerable and, and 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 the lack of growth the lack of productivity the missing productivity is hurting us all but but I'm gonna also go on this side of it in some cases it is a zero sum game and it it's 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 not right to cheat or the deck or to, to, um, to stack the deck. It's just not right. And, and so I'm hoping that um, eventually, just like we teach children, that it's not good to cheat. It's not good to cheat in the economy as well. Um, there's a moral prerogative here. Um, that we should be leveling the playing field so that everyone can have a chance. So when we're talking about, um, I don't know, uh, uh, merit-based scholarships, for instance, there's only so many that are going to go around. You know, should middle-class Americans who largely had wealth receive that and who have the ability to pay for college, get a merit scholarship or should it go to uh, the children of the incarcerated? I would say it should go to the children of the incarcerated um, if we want the economy to grow because the the goal is to bring more people in to be more productive and so um, in some cases it is a zero-sum game and we should be we should be thinking about what if I was the one being discriminated against? How would I feel? Um, that's the thinking, but but we don't know how big this economy can get and how productive it can get. Um, because we've never really involved black citizens in the economy in a way that um, really optimized or maximize, Um, Our talents.
2: I feel like we were trying to say something very specific, like this is all about unemployment. And you're saying this is just a total systemic reform that we need about how we look at this system. And if we were actually to look at it correctly and fix it properly, we would be able to unlock the potential of our actual economy because we'd be able to involve more people, more people who are skilled and able to move forward in a more, like essentially it would benefit all of us.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, just think if we close the gender wage gap, if women, especially black women, who's affected by the combined effects of racism and sexism, had equal wages as white men. Think how many homes would be purchased. Think of how many um, children would go to college. You know, it's like this discrimination is limiting us in in significant ways. And so for me, um, yes, I want everyone who wants to work to work. But um, we work to have community if the community is broken because of our, um, our job markets, then what's the point in that? You know, the goal is to work to make a better place, not to work to just have an individual uh, benefit. That that's doesn't make sense. And it's no fun, by the way, it's, you know, it's, you want to be able to go out and celebrate and 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 work with and learn with your your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors. When your neighbors can't, then there's you know where's the good in that? So, I, I'm you know I, I talk hard numbers. I talk about the economy. I talk about the importance of education all the time, but at this stage in our development of the country, we need to go back to talking about community. What does it mean to be a community? And right now, we're, we're so focused on individual um, well-being. To hell with everybody else. That's the mentality. And it's, that's not sustainable. Communities aren't sustained by that thinking. And so we owe a, a great debt financially and morally and in terms of this appreciation to the Black Lives Matter movement because they're, they're forcing us to see that community that's at stake, that, um, you know, democracy at stake. And, and Black lives are being lost in the process um, as we try to figure this out. We need to figure this out. We need to get rid of the drag of racism from our economy.
2: I can think of no better way to end this than on that note. Um, Dr. Perry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I want to plug your book one more time. Woo. Know Your Price, Valuing Black Lives and Property in America's Black Cities. I've read read some of it. It's amazing. I encourage everyone to go out and buy it. But once again, Dr. Perry, thank you so much for coming on our show and for giving us your perspective on this. Thank you. Thank you. That was a very interesting discussion. I think it goes back to like what you were saying this is a bigger problem than anything. There is no one magic bullet that is going to make this better. And he really came out of the gate and said that as much as possible, that like, this is a misrep, like all of this is a misrepresentation of like the statistics. Like we don't just do the misrepresentation in unemployment. We do it in other things like in housing and education and all those kind of things. He's, he seemed hopeful, but he's just like, he knows that this is going to be a long process and it's, it's just so much to take on. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been hard because I think in recent history we've even seen a reversal of a lot of this, right? With with you know, you speak to education, and we removed race based uh, factors in terms of equity and made that unconstitutional. So then we had to bring in these you know very complex socioeconomic determinations. Uh, you know, we've seen that in some of these innovation districts and things like that, right? Um, Dallas is doing a really cool. Work with with that specifically, um, or Chicago is another one. Um, Hartford. So, I think in the past we've tried to make it not about race, and we've tried to make it about class. And I think that that's just really in direct question right now.
2: Right. It was just a fascinating discussion. His his lens on this whole thing and how, you know, that there needs to be more accountability. And you know, it kind of goes back to our discussion with Doctor Williams. I think that there are structures that leaders of color are putting in place all over this country that need to be more facilitated to, like the for-profit industry and these private these private firms to say these need to be a part of your mentality. And I don't know how to do that, and I don't. And he he said about policies, and I just hope that what he. Foreshadowed would come true that you know policies are coming that will help this be will help this come to fruition. Thanks everybody for being here. We really appreciate you coming. Dr. Perry was amazing. God, I need to say stop saying amazing. Never mind, I need to stop that. And we can't wait till next week for our next informative interview. As always, you can reach out to us uh, with any kind of information.
1: You know, we we've had people share positive plugs. They've reached out with success. they told us rejection letters. So any kind of thing that you'd like to share in terms of this community as we build it, uh, please go ahead and email us at number 4 gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at B underscore unemployed. And then our Instagram accounts, I'm at CherryStreetBeat. And I'm at never underscore regrets. There you go. So, so feel free to reach out and help this community grow. Alright, thanks y'all.
0: Thanks.